Well, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 8 as we get into God's Word this morning. I hope you have your Bibles. If you don't, there are some underneath the chairs in front of you. Um, you know, I, I read this story about um, a young boy who was in a Christmas play, and his mom was confident that he would not remember uh, the one line that he had because he was just so excited to be in this play and distracted and and so um, she positioned herself in a place where she could whisper to him uh, what his line was. And his line was, Jesus is the light of the world. That was his one line. And so sure enough, when it got to the play in his part, she com- he completely froze, completely went out of his mind. And the mom was trying to mouth it to him. And, and he still didn't get it. And so the mom finally whispered it kind of, to him as quietly as she could. I am the light of the world. And he got real excited and he said, my mom is the light of the world. (laughs) You know, light is so great. I mean, don't we love light? We get a lot of light here in San Diego and I love the light. And you know, light, when it's night, light gives us hope. Um, I think it was one time I was in a cave and the, the guide shut off the light because we were in total darkness. You could not see anything. And, um, and then when, when the light comes back on, you just are drawn to that light. Um, or it's the same thing. I don't know if you've ever read the, st- the story of Leo Zamperini when he was on the ocean for three days in a life raft. But, you know, can you imagine being on the ocean and then seeing at night complete darkness. And then you see the lights of a ship coming towards you and you have flares so you can tell them that you're there. And, and what hope that would bring to see that light. Um, people in darkness are, are beyond thrilled when they see a light because it's a symbol of hope. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 12, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. We live in a morally bankrupt and very dark world. And people are trying to find a way out of that darkness and they they search so many ways and most of them lead to just more emptiness and more darkness. Jesus says in the passage we're looking at today, I am the light of the world. And you know, considering the circumstances, uh, Jesus' birth, if he was just a regular human, would not have attracted a lot of attention. Uh, he was born at night in, a, in an insignificant Judean village called Bethlehem. Um, he was born uh, to uh, parents that were really peasants. They were poor. But God saw that it attracted the attention that it needed, especially from heaven. And I want to read uh, from Luke chapter 2 before we get to our passage this morning because it talks about that light's appearance. That night there were shepherds staying in their fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. 
Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. We were made to walk in peace with God, but we uh, lost that connection uh, through our sin. In other words, sin entered the world and our lights went out, our connection with God. We couldn't see the way. And so that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. So follow along in your Bibles as I read John chapter 8, beginning at verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from, or where I come from, or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. This is God's word. So what's happening during this time, to set it in the context you have at the top of your outline, during the Feast of Tabernacles, that's what was going on, uh, there were four large lamps in the court that were lit, and an energetic and high-spirited celebration uh, was taking place, symbolizing the pillar of fire that led the people of God through the wilderness. So it's in this context that Jesus calls himself the light of the world. Um, we've called this series this month, The Glorious I Am. Uh, And we'll be looking this month at some of the statements that Jesus said, and we have a number of them in the Gospel of of John uh, that Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the bread, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Uh, And then today, I am the light. Like we were talking about earlier, it's terrifying to be in complete darkness. And when you are, when I I wake up at night and it's dark and I need to go to the facilities and I stub my toe on something and it's like I'm being attacked. I don't even know what's attacking me. I can't see it. It's in the dark. And and it it gets frustrating. And um, we're like that as individuals. We're like that as a society. Uh, We are disoriented. We're lost emotionally and spiritually, morally and relationships in every way. We're stumbling around and we don't even know what hit us. Jesus says, I'll tell you what the problem is. You need to turn on the light. 
And we don't know how. And Jesus says, look to me because I can turn the light on in your life because I am the light. And in this passage, we can ask some questions. And the first one you have on your outline, what is the source of light? You know, it's interesting that after verse 12, Jesus never mentions light again. But he does speak over and over about his relationship with the Father because that's synonymous with the light that he's talking about. Look at verse 14. Jesus is going to the Father. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. And he's from the Father, and he's going back to the Father. Look at verse 16. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. And he speaks on the authority of the Father. Verse 18. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And he does nothing on his own. Verse 19, you do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. So Jesus makes it clear that his authority is not from man, uh, but it's from his relationship with God the Father. That's what makes Jesus the light. He is God, the Son. Jesus is saying that. I, I speak from God because I am God. Jesus is the light. That's one of the descriptions that we have of the Father in 1 John 1, 5. Uh, John writes in this letter and says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, James says the same thing in James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And so Jesus is the light of the world, because, and this is on your outline, because he is one with the Father. So what are the characteristics of light? Uh, well, first of all, we can say that light is the most basic source of life. Uh, the sun is basically a medium-sized star that we get heat and light from. It's the most basic source of energy on the planet, and no person and no species could survive without the sun. Um, plants would die. The food chain would be destroyed. We depend on the sun. Uh, and then one thing we see from this passage is that, and this is the next thing on your outline, is that darkness hates the light. Look at verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You know, in my experience, there are people who reject God because they know their lives are messed up. Uh, they don't want their sin revealed. They, they don't want to have to change. And the light, sometimes even the light of Christ in you, uh, can convict them, can intimidate them. One weekend, author Paul Tripp uh, gave his teenage son permission to spend the weekend at a friend's house. But during the weekend, Paul received a call from the friend's mother uh, saying that Paul's son was not at her home. Her son had felt guilty uh, about covering for Paul's son and confessed this to the mom. After Paul told his wife about their son's deception, Paul said, my wife could feel my anger 
and she said, I think you need to pray. And Paul responded, I don't even think I can pray for my son right now. And she said, I wasn't talking about you praying for your son. I was talking about you praying for you. And Paul writes this, I went to my bedroom to pray and ask God for his help. And it hit me that because of his love, God had already begun a work of rescue in my son's life. God was the one who pressed in on the conscience of my son's friend, causing him to confess to his mom. God was the one who gave her the courage to make that difficult call to me. And God was the one giving me time to get a hold of myself before my son came home. Now, rather than wanting to rip into my son, I wanted to be a part of what this God of grace was doing in this moment of rebellion and pain and deception and hurt and disappointment. And, you know, thinking about this, I, th- I think that this speaks so much to me because of so many conversations I've had with many of you about your sons or conversations that are like this that your parents had with you. And here's how Paul Tripp said it went. Say that he gave his son a little bit of time to relax and then asked if they could talk. And Paul said, do you ever think, son, about how much God loves you? Paul's son said, sometimes. Do you ever think about how much um, God's grace operates in your life every day? And his son looked up but didn't speak. Do you know, son, how much God's grace was working in your life even this weekend? And the son replied and said, who told you? Paul said, you have lived your life in the light. <clears throat> You've made good choices. You've been such an easy son to parent. But this weekend, you took a step toward the darkness. You can live in the darkness if you want. You can learn to lie and deceive. You can use your friends as your cover. You can step over God's boundaries. Or you can determine to live in God's light. I'm pleading with you. Don't live in the darkness. Live in the light. And as I turned to walk away, Paul wrote, I heard his voice from behind me saying, Dad, don't. Don't go. And I turned around and he had tears in his eyes and he said, Dad, I want to live in the light, but it's so hard. Will you help me? 
And that's why we have all the one another passages in scripture to love one another and pray for one another and encourage one another and help one another, comfort one another. We can't do the Christian life by ourselves. We need each other. That's what the body of Christ is all about. That's what the family of God is all about. And we have to let our light shine. We can't do it by ourselves. And as the source of truth, you have this on your outline, light gives direction. It gives us direction on how to go, where to go. How would we get anywhere without lighted signs? How would we get anywhere without neon arrows and and traffic lights that, that tell us what to do? The psalmist says in Psalm 119, my word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. That's God's word. The Bible can be our light to show us the way ahead so that we don't stumble as we walk. It reveals false values in the philosophies of of the world and so we study the Bible to see our way clear enough to stay on the right path. In John chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus says, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. But it's when we know God's amazing grace in our lives that that makes a difference. And you know the words, you've experienced it, you know God's amazing grace. It's the sweetest sound to us, isn't it, when we experience God's grace. It saved us. Who, who are we? We're wretches. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. We were lost. And now we've been found by the light. We've been found by the grace of God. We were blind. We were in the darkness. But now we see. And so light is the most basic source of, of life and of truth. And it's also light, as on your outline, is the most basic source of joy. That's what God did for us at Christmas. He sent the light. It is a joyful time. The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 60, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. This is heaven. And your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. The joy we find in Christ comes when we know him as our light, when we know that he is a sovereign God and we know that he is in control. And then number three, by claiming to be the light, Jesus is claiming to be God. He's God the Son. Look at verse 12 again. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now look at verse 20. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. So why would John put in that last phrase? Because if you understand what Jesus is claiming, it's so unbelievable that people people haven't arrested him yet or killed him for claiming to be God. That's what he's claiming. In verse 12, they're remembering how God gave them light in the wilderness. 
And so in Exodus, it says this, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Can you imagine being the children of Israel and seeing this this pillar in front of you and as the sun goes down, this pillar starts to light up and it becomes fire that guides you all through the, the desert that was guiding them as they went. And Jesus is crying out here and he says, I am the light of the world. That's what you long for here. I am, I am he. I'm not a prophet who will point you to God. I am the very glory of God. Jesus is saying that he is ultimate life. He says, when I stop just being an inspirational example to you, but can actually become your light, then that's when your life will change. You have a full and abundant and also an eternal life. And then Jesus is also saying, and this is on your outline, that he is ultimate truth. Jesus is saying, I'm the only way for you to know who God really is. I am not, I am not saying I, I will point the way to God. I'm not saying I will, I will somehow reflect who God is. That's what the founders of religions, other religions can do at best. Jesus is saying, I am like the sun. I am a light. I am God the sun. Hebrews 1.3, the author to the Hebrews says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Not only is Jesus the exact representation of God, he is God himself. He is eternal. He's the full revelation of God. There is no clearer expression of God than Jesus on this earth. You know, it's not on your outline, but I'll tell you a great chapter to read during this month is Colossians chapter one. It's all about who Jesus is and who we're celebrating at Christmas. And then Jesus is, as the light, is the ultimate joy. Jesus says, I am the joy you're looking for. The the book of Philippians is all about joy. Paul writes, for me to live is Christ. And he says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say it, rejoice. The joy we have in Christ, that's a joy that will fill our life. And so in the Old Testament, when God wanted to come close, think about what happened. He, he wanted to come close, so close to us. When he came down on Mount Sinai, what did Moses have to do? He warned the people not to touch the mountain because they would die. Because the glory of God had descended on Mount Sinai. And when Moses comes in Exodus 33, and he says to God, now show me your glory What's he saying? He's saying it's not enough. I just don't, I don't, I don't want to just see your afterglow. I want to see your face. And God says, you can't get what you want or you will die. But Jesus comes along and what does Jesus say? If, if, he doesn't say that if you'll follow me, you'll get near the light. No, he says, if you follow me because I am the light. And that's ultimate joy is to have the nearness of God in our lives and to have him through his Holy Spirit indwelling us as believers. And so Jesus died the death that we deserved so that we can finally get in, get into the promised land, get into a relationship with God. And so what does this mean for us practically? What does this mean for us? It's the last point on the outline. 
What it means, first of all, is that we must come to Jesus for our salvation, to be saved from our sins, to be put back into a right relationship with God, what he, what he created us for. That's where it starts. Once you trust Christ for your salvation, what does it mean to follow in the light? What happens? You know, Robert Louis Stevenson was an uh, author, grew up in Scotland. He was Scottish. And he lived in a time where uh, the, uh, the street lights didn't come on automatically. But somebody was, people were hired and they would take a ladder and they would go up and lift the, the glass and light the flame and then they would descend the ladder and go to the next one. And Robert Louis Stevenson was a young boy and he said to his parents, he said, look, mom and dad, those people are, they're lighting the lights that are, they're punching holes in the darkness. And I love that. I, I love that because that's what we do as believers. That's how we let our light shine. We punch holes. That's what we're doing. We're punching holes in the darkness. So what does it mean to us practically? Well, first of all, this is on your outline, it means that, that we should live with integrity. Some of you are doing things in the dark. You're hiding things, even from those who are closest to you. And it's not good. A person of integrity doesn't act one way at church and one way at home and another way at the office and another way on the golf course. A person of integrity is the same all the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says in one translation, we refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. In Proverbs 10, it says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. The thing to remember here is that darkness is very temporary. The Bible says over and over again that everything will be revealed. Paul writes in Romans 14, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Every believer will give an account of, of every action, every decision, including those things concerning issues of conscience. We'll give that all to God. You know, one place that people are looking where they can see us is social media. And so in the social media that you have, uh, you need to understand that people are watching you. They're watching what you post. They're watching articles that you post and pictures that you post and comments that you make. And it can be a great source of ministry but it can also be a great source of darkness. And so make sure that when you're on social media that you are living in the light. Be a person of integrity. The second thing is that we're to live lives that are attractive. The more time you spend in the light, the more time you spend in the word of God, which we know from Psalm 119 is the light, the more time you spend talking with God in prayer, the easier it will be for you to live a life, a life in the light. The easier it will be for your life to be a light to others, to let your light so shine before men. That's what it says in, in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. It punches light into the darkness. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so, are you reflecting the beauty of Christ by the way you live your life? By the way you take criticism, by the way you give criticism, by the way you treat others, by how you handle difficult situations. As people watch, do they praise your Father in heaven because of your testimony? Do you gossip or is that something that you avoid? You know what Proverbs says? Proverbs says a gossip can't be trusted with a secret. But someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. And then third, we're to live lives of courage. If we have the Holy Spirit, if we're living this kind of a life in the light of Christ, we will live lives of courage. When you live in the light and you are the light, because of the Holy Spirit living in you, you will expose people's sin. And people won't like that. When you live a life that pleases God, sometimes it will make the people around you uncomfortable. People are going to want to put out your light, and I would take that as uh, something positive. If they want to extinguish your light, it's a sign that you're following the light, that you're being a light that you're letting your light shine. Joshua says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Even in the darkest situations, he's with you. He wants you to punch light into those areas of darkness. C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters Uh, says this of courage. He says, courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the point of highest reality. In other words, think of it this way. It's easy to live out what you believe when you're doing it in front of people that you know agree with you. But it's hard when you're trying to live out the Christian life in front of people that you know don't agree with you. That's when you need courage. That's when you can draw on the courage you have by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And then finally, live a life of hope. The believer's hope comes through through the scriptures which are written and applied to the heart of, of every believer who follows Jesus in the light. Romans 15 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you ever feel hopeless? Of all the people in the world, Christians should live with the most hope because we have Christ. So how do you know if you're a Christian? Well, one way to say it is that you've moved from thinking that Jesus is just a nice guy to starting to have his light shine in your heart and you see things differently. A Christian is one in whom Christ lives. 
through his Holy Spirit. And that's what happens when Christ comes in your life by faith. It's only by Jesus Christ that you can know God personally. It's very narrow. That's the nature of truth. Truth is very narrow. I'm gonna be narrow about what I put in my gas tank. Uh, if someone says, you know what, why do you put gas, why, water so much cheaper? Just fill your car with water. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be very narrow about what I put in my gas tank. That's the nature of truth, truth is narrow. And when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, that's what he means. That's a very narrow view. You can't get more narrow than that. Have you ever had someone say to you, don't be so narrow-minded? Of course, we all have. People say that. But, but that's the nature of truth. Truth in itself is narrow-minded. So what happens when you come to Christ? What do you have to do to have Christ in your life? You know, Charles Spurgeon was, before he was a Christian, uh, he was reading everything he could, doing all he could to understand spiritual reality. And one Sunday, he was walking in downtown London, and the weather was terrible, and he walked inside of a church uh, at a service time, a worship service time. And there were only two other people. The pastor wasn't even there because of the weather. And one of these men said, you know, I've never preached before, but I want to just stand up and read scripture. And so he stood up and he read from Isaiah 45. And he said this, look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. And he just kept repeating, verse 22 of Isaiah 45. Look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. And then he said this. He said, don't you see, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is look. And then he looked right at Spurgeon. There was only one other man in the room and apparently they knew each other. So he looked right at Spurgeon and he said, young man, I can see that you are miserable and you're gonna stay that way until you obey this text. And Spurgeon said, and he writes this, it dawned on me that after all my searching that Jesus Christ is the light. Because all I have to do is look at him. There's nothing I can do. I have to simply accept what he's done. And Christianity is a religion of what's been done for us. Every other religion is what you can do to make yourself close to God. But Christianity is a, a religion about what's been done, what's been accomplished for you, what we celebrated during communion. That Jesus Christ died in your place. And so... It's like, you know, when you receive a Christmas gift, you don't say, how much do I owe you? No, it's a gift. And that's the same way you receive salvation. It, Jesus said this in, in John 1.12, yet as many as received him, or John writes, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so we submit ourselves to the truth. We acknowledge that we're a sinner. We submit ourselves, we receive the forgiveness of Jesus and we admit that there's no good thing in us to commend us to God. And in, in that way, and as we submit to the light, it will change our perspective on everything. You know, maybe my favorite C.S. Lewis quote you have on the bottom of your outline and it says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy of knowing the light. We thank you for the joy Jesus promises, the courage to live a life of integrity. We pray that you would help us to live that kind of life, lives that are attractive and and give hope to people so that those who are walking in the darkness around us would look to Jesus and be saved. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If he has, I just thought it would be appropriate to end this morning with this. For a child has been born. For us. The gift of a son. For us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be amazing counselor. Strong God. Eternal father. Prince of wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. Amen. God bless you. Please wish a Merry Christmas and Happy December to the folks sitting near you. Thank you.